With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to the Northside Sox podcast. It is the only White Sox podcast hosted by myself and the wonderful Sam Sherman. We are coming to you today on Saturday, March 20th, 2021. Spring training is just winding up or is it just winding down? Maybe it's doing both. But anyway, uh, this is a very special episode of Northside Sox. Every episode of Northside Sox is special. We have with us today uh, our uh, guest, Zach Hayes of Pitcher List, to talk some White Sox baseball. So Zach is a lifelong White Sox fan, and uh, he's probably hiding in the 100 level at Guaranteed Rate Field. I totally know about buying those 500 level tickets and sneaking down or like slipping the the usher maybe a $20 bill. Uh, So he is a grad student, a writer at Pitcher List, and the co-host of the Shagging Flies podcast, which I had the uh, dubious honor of spending three hours last night uh, speaking to Zach about various sundry issues uh, regarding uh, Major League Baseball and, and, and just life itself. I, I got to talk about my Peloton. I got to talk about a, a book I just read. I got to talk about uh, the, the annuities surrounding the Baltimore Orioles. It was really great. But anyway, uh, Zach, how are you? Thank you for joining us today. I am great. We are one day closer to regular season baseball. So I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys doing? I'm pretty fantastic. I'm well rested. Uh, definitely just kind of uh, lubricating my vocal cords with extra water Little. this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I didn't like do any karaoke last night. Uh, I just talked to you gentlemen. Uh, so I, at, at this morning, I feel as if I'm in great shape, though. Like my, I, I can probably hit some high notes if I wanted to. Sam, Oops. how the heck are you? Um, I am pretty good. I got uh, vaccine shot number two yesterday. Um, right. So I got a little, it was a little, little bit uh, achy overnight, but feeling great right now. Um, just like I've heard is, is somewhat normal. Um, so happy, happy to um, have that uh, finished up. Um, but yeah, no, ready to roll. I think it's interesting how you said we're kind of like, either like, ramping up to spring training or because it's like I feel like this March has been super long like because we've kind of had these months fly and of course now the, the one month that I need to get to the end of it so we can have baseball and my birthday uh shout out Sam's birthday March 30th uh friend of the show you know I want it's just taken a long time but that's okay because there's been uh you know the White Sox are what like eight games under 500 but this is the beautiful time when you can say spring training doesn't matter. And it's all about those sweet, sweet Zach Collins storylines. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So uh, wins really don't matter. I know uh, some people might be freaking out because you know, the White Sox aren't, aren't winning ball games. But of course, I mean, uh, the whole the, the old motto is never fall out of love with a veteran uh, during spring training. I, I know um, this, this applies to Dallas Keuchel, who's been having some problems in spring training lately, uh, but I'm not worried about him. He's always trying to differentiate some things um, on his on his sinker. I think that's like the pitch he's always like 
uh, touting as a work in progress. So I'm not too worried about him. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're talking spring training. We're talking White Sox. Uh, so here on Northside Sox, we are notorious uh, haters of anything old school. Like we, we, we hate we, we, we are uh, geriophobes. Is, is that like the, the term for someone who hates old people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are known haters of anything that's old. Uh, what about, so, what about uh, the movie Old School? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I actually haven't seen that one. Maybe my, my hating old stuff uh, is like so deep entrenched within me that I refuse to, to like just... subconsciously even see that movie. Yeah. That's so we're talking about uh, early Tony Larusa impressions. So uh, earlier uh, in spring training, he said how uh, rolling innings uh, does uh, fans a disservice, uh, which I felt kind of missed the entire point of rolling innings. Uh, essentially, you're just doing that to save your pitcher. Uh, I mean, I completely get if you like pay a tit like X amount of dollars to get into a ballpark during a global pandemic. Uh, you want to see a baseball game and uh, yeah, instead of uh, seeing a pitcher getting rocked uh, and a bunch of runs being scored, which is fun, right? It's always fun to, you know, watch your team uh, rack up a couple of runs. Uh, the opposing manager actually decides, uh, yeah, can we please stop? Uh, and the game continues. Tony La Russa doesn't like that. Tony La Russa feels in, in spring training uh, that, uh, yeah, she should, the pitcher should be able to get himself out of that. Um, so what, what are your, your guys' thoughts on, um, Tony LaRusa so far? Well, the first, the solution to that whole problem is to not like buy tickets to the third spring training game of the year and spend, spend that money. And <laughs> just to that point, <laughs> to that point, Sam, I think it's interesting that you said that like March seems really long. And I feel like part of that is because, there's so much, even even though we wish there were more games on TV, there's so much more early access than there used to be. Like, I can't remember in even as, you know, 2015, 2016, was I paying attention to really paying close attention to spring training games on March 3rd? Like, no, I, was, I don't think you had the kind of like internet audiences that you have now, like whole Twitter feeds of people with what pitchers to look out for. And like, you weren't seeing that until, until recently. Um, Tony LaRussa, like, it makes me wonder like how how much is he really doing you know like how much decision making actually lies with him how much of it like how much is he going to be deferring to ethan katz and those guys because i like haven't i feel like i haven't seen too many indications one way or another of like how his style is uh gonna change if it's gonna be the same thing we saw with st louis uh which was fairly you know traditional by our standards but would have been like super cutting edge in 1988 um with well-defined bullpen roles and and stuff like that so it's i think it's hard to gauge right now but he hasn't really shown us any indication that he's any different than he was <laughs> however many years ago so yeah i think it i think that it's 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 hard to say because you know janice like you said um you like and as far as the the rolling innings, I remember talking to you about this at that time and and and, and thinking that, uh, you know, that in itself is not that concerning of a of a thing for Tony. You know, it's a little bit like weird that he kind of was really adamant about that, but um, it does speak to other decisions that could be made. Um, you know, once we get it's just as far as like Zach, like you're saying, getting closer to the season, and once the season starts, you know, if if, if being mad at uh, rolling innings is, is something that LaRusse has shown, then um, we probably 
you'd probably expect that to be something that he would have thought throughout his career, which again goes to something that could be concerning that he'll resort to other things like um, that you would expect him to decisions that he would make throughout his career. Um, It's also a new rule too. And so like he's, he's definitely on the opposite spectrum of us where he probably hates everything new and and hates everything that's like, that's current. So, I mean, I, I, I get it though. I definitely get it. Uh, and that's what, also what I mean with the increased access and information. Like they've been doing rolling innings and spring training games for God knows how, as long as there's been spring training games, like these things aren't real. These are for players to, you know, get in shape and, and do what right. they need to do to get ready for the season. And they know that, you know, and so I think getting it, it, it yeah. And the more I think about it, the more it's like, why are, t- does Tony LaRusso not have better things to, to, to be thinking about? Like I, I, I don't know. He's had too many spring trainings to be, to be thinking about this yeah. now. And like, yeah, I don't know. It makes you, it does make you wonder what, like, how is he, we talked about this ad nauseum over, over the winter, but how is he going to react when someone hits one 450 feet off of Carlos Rodon and, you know, throws the bat 15 feet over the dugout? Like what, what is going to happen? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, so far the early player reactions uh, seem to be positive. Uh, I know earlier on uh, we were really concerned about how La Russa might affect the clubhouse. Uh, I, I guess the, the clubhouse vibe, uh, but there was a quote from Lucas Giolito saying that, uh, yeah, uh, that Tony apparently is totally okay with playing future in the clubhouse, uh, w- which is good to know. I, kn- I knew earlier on too, that if I noticed that there were any, any buttons further buttoned up on Eloy or Liori, uh, that uh, I, I knew uh, where the first place th- that I, I would point my blame on. Uh, but uh, as spring has gone on, uh, yeah, definitely I have noticed that uh, there are a equal number of unbuttoned buttons in spring training than there were last season. So uh, kudos to Liori and Eloy and Carlos Rodon to, for, for keeping that tradition up. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I mean, Tony is a smart guy. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely hand that to him. Uh, so he definitely knows that uh, this clubhouse belongs to the players. Uh, he probably should not mess with that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great that he's decided to let the players be themselves. Yeah. Tony is a smart guy, and I don't want to, like, so I don't want to say he's not a smart guy because, like, I don't want to really speak ill of anyone's humanity or anything like that. But it's worth remembering that how different would our perception of him would, would it be now if the Cardinals had lost his last world series when he brought in the wrong reliever in the ninth inning of a tied world series game because he just like had a brain fart or something, you know, like people forget these things because they won that world series, but it's not like there's a lot of people who will tell you that they won that world series in spite of him, you know, not, not because of him, those Cardinals teams, the last five or six years were, were not great. So I'm, I'm hoping that he is, I think it, it makes you again, wonder what kind of conversations were had before, before he was hired, where you say like, okay, you just got to let these guys do their thing. Like you're here, we're going to bring you back. We're going to give you what you want. You know, we're going to help you out, but you really got to be hands off here. You got to be a player's manager. Let them, let them do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Yeah, but Zach, I mean, he was a young man in St. Louis. He's older and wiser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think some, uh, uh, Lucas Giolito said something in an interview. Uh, 
uh, like a couple of days ago. And this was something that he had said um, a while back too. And this is something that I, I thought was the most, I can't say like breath of fresh air because it's all relative, but it was good to hear uh, continually that at the beginning of this process, when, when Lurus was brought in, that he kind of went to these leaders of the clubhouse or, or different people in the clubhouse and said, I need to, you know, uh, earn your respect. Right. And, and if that's like how it's going to be, then that's great. At least again, relatively speaking, that's good. Um, but that's why you, you have to sort of hope that that just sort of continues in some capacity and, and he just sort of allows it. I mean, I, I was just thinking, allowing future being played in the clubhouse, uh, you know, if, if, if at the time of the, uh, if at the time of the, the very brief managerial search, um, right before, you know, before LaRusso was hired, if you were to say, oh, so, you know, months from now, um, and we didn't know who's going to be hired, it's like the manager, it's going to be like a question as to whether the manager will allow future to be played in the clubhouse. I don't think we'd be uh, feeling all that good. Um, and I'd say we arguably still don't feel all that good about, about that. But, you know, uh, if he allows it to be played in the clubhouse, Hopefully he allows, uh, you know, bat flips and all that stuff as well, which uh, time will truly tell on that. Bat flips, partially nude players. Like he, he's, he's got to be with it. Like he's, he's definitely got to uh, one, like know, know what the fans want. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, fans definitely want to see the opposing pitcher just completely roughed up. But yeah, we also want to uh, see partially unbuttoned jerseys. That, 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 that's just what we want. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just speaking on behalf of, of White Sox fans, but a <laughs> uh, quick like segue. Uh, so th- th- yeah, th- that's enough uh, negativity for now. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll probably introduce some more negativity later on in the show, uh, but quick segue over to uh, Ethan Katz. Uh, so, so far, uh, I think uh, Ethan Katz seems to have uh, done some, uh, some magic. He seems to step out onto the mound, has conferences with pitchers, and they get out of innings. Uh, I definitely remember a, a game a few days ago where he stepped out to talk to Lucas Giolito, uh, probably uh, reminded Lucas that he's a badass, um, probably talked about some baseball things too, uh, but otherwise... Uh, let's talk about some of the huge question marks that we all had, especially regarding the back end of the rotation. So uh, Carlos Rodon is definitely one of them. Uh, he's uh, pitched five innings uh, uh, through two games this spring. So, so far he's got five strikeouts, has only given up three hits, no earned runs. Uh, so it looks as if uh, Katz uh, has... Uh, fixed him or at least is in the process of fixing uh, Radon. So uh, you guys, your thoughts, you guys, your thoughts on uh, the back end of the rotation here. Uh, yeah, Rodon. I'm so, I was not, I'm not going to say I was mad that they signed Rodon because like I like him, but I was so like kind of relieved to not get my hopes up about him. Uh, one more spring training yet. Here we are. I think he'd be, I like him at the back of the rotation. If he can go every fifth day, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to be the number three overall pick upside. I think that we wanted the thing that's annoying me is that we don't have any like radar guns at most of these games. And with him velocity on the fastball is going to be the biggest thing because he doesn't really have a third pitch. He's fastball slider and the slider's great. But if the fastball is only like 90, 91, 92, he's not going to be able to get guys out. If it's 94, 95, like he was, you know, a few years ago, I think he'll be great. So if, 
like Katz is helping him get some of that velocity back. And I know I saw some quotes about him using like a core belt or something like that to get his lower half mechanics in sync. And that could definitely, if you're more, eh, there's lots of pitching nerd stuff I could talk about for days there, but that's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't think like you're not going to expect to get 30 starts out of him or anybody that's going to be near the back end of the rotation. But as far as fifth starters go, I'm, you know, I still don't like the lack of depth, but Rodon is not, not bad. If he's, if this is real, you know, big F, but. Yeah, I like that you bring up uh, radar guns uh, not being at spring training because I I remember in 2020 uh, some people noticed a dip in his velocity and then a lot of us were like oh oh shit he's injured and it turns out he he was injured uh, so I I too am very curious at like where he's sitting with that fastball right now. Yeah, I think I I sort of wish that you know we're we're all rooting for uh carlos for los in some capacity right because he's he's pretty likable as as through his time um in chicago but i guess the thing is is like i and i don't really look at the the five innings in spring training as much optimism or or pessimism really it's it's somewhere it's kind of like i don't know what that really means um well i know what the word pessimism means but i don't know what the 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 sample (laughs) the small sample size (laughs) means um but i think i'm i'm sort of the reason I wish that they had brought in another comparable starter from outside of the organization that had no ties, even if they were had the same track record as as Carlos Rodon, because that way you we didn't have any of the kind of preconceived notions or, or beliefs or ideas going into, you know, I I'm at a point and this is hard to say, but it's like I cannot picture him succeeding as a starting pitcher. Um, with the White Sox, but that's just based on his career with the White Sox. So if you could have pulled somebody from another organization and trying to kind of reinvent someone else of a, you know, that's kind of comparable. Um, I'd maybe have a little bit more belief, but just because I'd be naive to how they had been in their other organization, but because it's like, we know too much. So um, yeah, it'd be great if he could be that five, but we'll see. Yeah. I feel like I will say I have liked a lot of what I've seen out of Jimmy Lambert so far this spring. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're, if the team, is a little more comfortable going into the season with him as rotation depth than we probably would have thought of, but no, I totally agree with you there. I think you look at what the Mets did this off season and now the Mets for many reasons are not really an organization you want to be emulating in, in quite a few ways, but spending money is one thing they are now good at. And like you look, Carlos Carrasco, big off season acquisition, best be their number one, two pitcher boom, torn hamstring out for two months, probably. And they've already got three major league caliber pitchers competing for their fifth rotation spot. You know, Joey, Joey Lucchese has been made 60 starts the last three years or whatever. And David Mm -hmm. Peterson's a first round pick and Jordan Yamamoto has first round pedigree and uh, is like a legit major league starter. And so they already have three of those guys competing for one spot. So you get an injury, you still have like two big league starters. The drop-off isn't going to be like from there to, I mean, comparatively speaking that's like what mike wright is in in the white Sox depth chart right now and that's like having watched enough mike pelfrey and you know mm-hmm. mani bonuelos and odrisim or despagne and these guys oh, that oh. They, they they pull up you know at age 30 in june for three starts because we got nobody else and you can just like i'm i know it i don't want it to happen again but it's really too easy oh to picture goodness. picture at this point yeah yeah using openers uh like yeah i i remember that one game uh where despanier was just like completely rocked by uh by the yankees and and then i think he was dfa'd the next day i remember listening i was walking a dog i was walking a dog listening to that on the radio um 
And I remember hearing about like his warm up routine, which I guess he like literally doesn't warm up in the bullpen. He throws like oh, 10 times. This. <laughs> like he like literally just throws long toss like 10 times before and then just goes on the mound and starts pitching. And I remember listening to him speak like, this is our starting pitcher right now. Like you do it, you you do what you got to do, man. But I'm like, I'm kind of seeing why you might you haven't been in the big yeah. leagues for three years. Because yeah. like, <laughs> if you find out that like Giolito or Keiko or whatever, like that was their pre, you know, their their um warm up to go into a game, you'd be like, all right, it's working. But for him, it's like, sorry, it's just something else. <laughs> like Maybe. I don't want to. Yeah, it's be unorthodox. Do it every. I love people who do things yeah. their own way and are unorthodox. But yeah. like, <laughs> Maybe at that point, try something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely hear you, Zach, and that uh, probably uh, starting pitching depth might be just slightly questionable. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Lambert did look great last week. Uh, he threw one scoreless inning, striking out two. Uh, the White Sox won that game over the Angels. Yay. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about another Cats project in Dylan Cease. Uh, he's pitched three innings in spring so far and has only given up one hit. Probably it, it, it's an extremely small sample size, but uh, so far uh, I think Cease has looked very clean. Uh, but yeah, your, your, your Cease thoughts. He always looks clean. He's a very clean looking dude. I would say he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, man, I'm, I'm, I love Cease. I'm loving this. I'm like, really, I'm really trying to temper my expectations and like not get really, really, really excited. Um, one of my socks hot takes, I guess you could say is that like at full capacity, like assuming they both hit their ceilings and make good on their potential. I think Cease is actually better than Kopech. Um, I don't know how hot of a take that is, but like, I'm, he's so close. I've never, very rarely have I seen either live or on TV, like a pitcher whose pure stuff is as electric as that. And you can like, when he has it together, mechanically hitters don't have much of a chance. And to see him, the, the, the changes are subtle, but they're there. We've seen some video that he's been tweeting uh, over the winter. Katz seems to have a good rapport with him in particular. So like if he, I mean, put it this way if he if he turns keichel or lind into the fourth starter then we're in, we're in pretty good shape so it's hard to Ooh. not get excited but like all he needs if he can just throw not even just throw more strikes throw more competitive pitches you know stop having those curveballs sailed to the backstop or you know 58 foot spiked fastballs like you just got to go throw it kind of close to the zone and they'll swing at it so remember um, yeah and in 2020, yeah, his his FIP was just like like twice as as large as his ERA. Uh, so that was definitely an indicator that command was, was certainly going to be an issue. Uh, but I believe that yeah, Cease was one of the players that was using that core belt, uh, like you mentioned before, Zach, to kind of uh, uh, fine tune that that those lower half mechanics. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I've I've liked liked what I've seen so far. Uh, I've liked what I've seen so far out of Ethan Katz. Uh, but perhaps one uh, point of concern I do have is with Reynaldo Lopez. I'm a huge Reynaldo Lopez fan. Um, I believe in him just, uh, I, I, I want the best for this guy. So, so far in spring, he's got a 788 ERA uh, in eight innings. He's given up 10 hits and seven earned runs, including two homers. Uh, so again, uh, this is also a small sample size, blah, 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 blah. But otherwise, uh, do we see, uh, Reynaldo Lopez is kind of the odd man out here. Uh, your thoughts on him. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yes. Uh, and, and just kind of wrapping on the cease part here. I, I absolutely believe in Dylan cease, especially with a, a more modern, you know, um, mentor in, in Ethan Katz with all those approaches and everything. But at the same time, yeah, looking at, at Reynaldo Lopez, um, he's another guy that um, if he was Reynaldo Lopez, but not Reynaldo Lopez, he was, if he was coming from another organization and kind of a potential reclamation project, I might have more faith. But again, I just feel like we've seen too much. Um, and even if you take away spring training and all that, it's just, I don't know that he's shown us consistent. Um, I don't think he's put together back to backs. This is this could be way off, but I just, it seems like he hasn't put together back-to-back successful appearances over the last several, you know, couple seasons. So um, yeah, I mean, I'd love if he worked out, I still think he has pretty good stuff, um, but it just doesn't, he, he can't really put that together. So I, I'm sorry, Ronaldo. I'm sorry, Janice. I think <laughs> I, know. I want so badly. I want to be in on him so badly. And it's the same thing with the velocity too. I saw, I've saw, I've seen a couple people saying that he was like 92, 93 on the gun. And it's the same thing with Rodon where uh, the secondaries are just not quite good enough. Like if he's not throwing 96, 95, 96, 97, like it's probably just not going to work. I was interested though. I'm sure you guys saw the video, the really cool video of him mic'd up working with cats uh, a couple weeks ago. And I thought it was really interesting that he talked about how they're bringing back his curveball a little bit, which he says was his best pitch in the nationals organization before they traded him over here. And like no shade, a little little shade to Don Cooper, but it's like I there's nothing I hate more hearing than when a pitcher talks about how they came to an organization and they told me, oh no, scrap this pitch, like scrap your best pitch because we throw this. It's not we think it's not good for your arm or whatever. So I'm still kind of interested to see, you know, how that might go, how that might affect things. I think we probably still see him get starts this year, is just because the way it's going to go with with health and everybody making such a huge innings bump like you're not going to get 30 starts out of five guys and especially given the rotation depth like uh i still think he'll get his shot but i don't know like if the fastball is not there like it used to be and unless the curveball comes back as like a really good pitch i tend to tend to agree with sam where it's like i i want i want him to get that shot so badly and i want to see it happen but like we're trying they're trying to win a world series this year you know there's right, only right only so many so many of those kind of nine run starts you can you can continue to to wear yeah that that video was was so heartwarming too like just the the whole like positive reinforcement that Katz was giving him like it it was all very gentle it it was all just like um I I felt as if that even that could be a a fun fan attraction at at the ballpark where you just like deposit your quarter and then Ethan Katz gives you some positive like reaffirmations I, I, I would love I would love Ethan Katz to tell me that my fastball looks great uh, that uh, you know breaking stuff you know just needs a little tweaking but otherwise uh, like really really looking good this season I would love to hear that out of Ethan Katz uh, but yeah uh, regarding uh, Reynaldo Lopez's curveball I, I remember looking it up on baseball savant and seeing that uh, it was uh, getting a lot of swings and misses but it was also getting hit pretty hard. Uh, but otherwise it was like a second most thrown pitch. And then, uh, yeah, in- instead of tweaking it and in- instead of like working on it, um, I guess like Don Cooper or whomever, uh, just decided like, nah, we're, we're, we're just going to throw this out altogether. Like work on a cutter, 
you get a cutter. You get a cutter. Everyone throws, everyone throws cutters. It worked for Mark Burley. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what they say? If something works one time, if someone just... works with Mark Burley, you know, the most unique pitcher in the last 40 years, then yeah. 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 Why not? Like, so. do, do you have a cutter? No. Well, you do now. Now you do. <laughs> It's just nice that, that the Sox can actually mic up their pitching coach and not be afraid for um, something just awful being said. Uh, you know, uh, so I think that's that's really a refreshing thing. If nothing else, you know, if if, rel- if worst case scenario and like worst case scenario, I'll put it this way: worst case scenario with Ethan Katz is that he doesn't fix uh, Reynaldo Lopez or Carlos Rodon or um, Dylan Cease. But that's about the worst case scenario within the realm of possibility worst case scenario with don cooper i think there were far worse <laughs> things that could have happened so i think one early concern was that uh, we we felt as if maybe we were or the white Sox were giving a little too much work to ethan katz and just kind of uh putting a lot on his shoulders uh, in terms of fixing uh fixing cease fixing radon uh fixing lopez uh also to uh just kind of uh uh, nurturing a lot of those young bullpen guys too, uh, but otherwise, uh, uh, Zach, what do you think about his workload so far? Uh, do, do, do you think it's reasonable? Uh, do you think that White Sox fans might be putting a little too much weight into it? That's a good question. Um, I will say I think it's funny that when he was hired, it was framed by like everybody in media outlets as like White Sox hire Lucas Giolito's high school pitching coach. <laughs> and then you look it up and it's like, oh no, he was like an assistant pitching coach with the Giants. He consulted. Like he's like a real, he's not just one of those dudes that they plucked from plucked from the ranks. It's like he's he's a real pro. I think um my trust in Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams frayed though it may grow by the day. Um I don't think they would have brought in, I don't think they would have signed off. I'm just completely projecting. I don't know any of this stuff, but I, I, I feel like that the Larusa hire would not have happened if they were not fairly intent on bringing in a coaching staff that was going to do a lot of the legwork. Uh, and Katz, I think, is part of kind of this generation of, uh, of young pitching coaches, like the guy who Detroit recently hired, whose name is escaping me, who came from the University of Michigan. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about, but yeah. I can't think of their name either. <laughs> I can't remember the name either. But uh, <laughs> so these these folks are like their whole thing is working with all of this, uh, you know, advanced knowledge that we now have. We have this biomechanical stuff. We have uh, spin stuff. And a lot of that, like what that does, interestingly, is that kind of moves coaching away from the one size fits all philosophy where like if you come to a don cooper team you're going to start throwing a cutter like we were joking about you know it's a, it is a thing though like uh dan Worthen was the mets pitching coach for a long time and there was a particular kind of slider that he would teach that you know Degrom and Cindergaard and zach wheeler and all those guys would throw it uh, whereas now it's much more individualized where someone like Katz kind of has the training to say, like to look at all of this data and all of these other things that we have and say, okay, this is how we're going to fix you Dylan Cease. And this is what we're going to do with Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, so I think I have a fairly high level of trust that he knows what he's doing because that's that kind of workload when you're really going that granular with individual players is something that uh, you're doing at like, you know, the, the high school college level now to some extent too. And I think coaches who are coming through the ranks now are much more well-equipped to, uh, to handle that kind of initiative, I guess. Just my take. I know nothing like I'm dumb, but 
<laughs> Don't listen to me, guys. Well, if, if you know nothing, I'm, uh, I'm mortified at what my <laughs> what my uh, intelligence. Looks I'm just, like. I'm so I'm so hesitant to project anything. Like I don't actually know what's going through these people's heads. You know, this is just my 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 best guesstimation. But <laughs> and that's absolutely fair. I, I feel as if yeah, a lot of us are just kind of uh, just shooting things in the dark, just kind of seeing what sticks, and that's pretty much what spring training is all about. But a quick uh, segue over to uh, the backup catcher race, which oh is boy. unexpectedly, unexpectedly, perhaps uh, the, the uh, I, I didn't think it would be uh, this close. Um, I, I feel as if Zach Collins is probably going to uh, get the job, uh, but looking at his spring numbers so far, he's been pretty fantastic. Uh, so in 29 plate appearances, uh, he's got one home run, one RBI, nine hits, uh, a 1.039 OPS. Yikes. Wow. All right. So uh, go off, Zach. Uh, historically, though, I do know that he has always been a good spring hitter. Uh, so I'm not sure how much how much weight I want to put on that. So uh, that also leaves out uh, perhaps a, a friend of the pod, perhaps, I don't want to refer to him as the mascot of the pod. I, I, that, that's, um, he's, he's essentially um, the patron saint of the pod. That, that's a little bit better way of putting that. And uh, Yermin Mercedes uh, also having a pretty fantastic spring. Uh, he has struck out a lot though, but so far um, he's uh, gotten on base uh, quite well, a 333 on base percentage over 30 plate appearances. Uh, I feel as if your mean deserves a chance, but I feel as if I also feel as if it might not be with the White Sox. Um, I, I, I think that maybe uh, he might be a good and this, this just breaks my heart in a million pieces to say this, but he might possibly be a good trade token, uh, perhaps to save for midseason in case the White Sox need um, a, a midseason acquisition of some sorts. But anyway, um, you guys, you guys, your thoughts on the backup catcher race. Uh, yeah, I, you, I mean, I, I've spoken a lot about Zach Collins on this podcast and my feelings. I, I have no faith in Zach Collins anymore. Um, I don't really, I have nothing wrong with, there's no issues with Zach Collins personally. I've never met him, but as far as his baseball, you know, his on the field performance, um, I think the larger concern then offensively is the fact that I just don't think he's a catcher um, or at least a catcher on a team that has, you know, world series aspirations. Again, I know he'd be a backup, um, but you know, a backup can quickly become not that uh, in the case of an injury uh, as we know, as, as, as is often the case or often seen. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's nice to see he's having a, a nice spring. Um, but if I could, if I could just be totally honest, I just, I sort of was hoping that over the last couple seasons that the Zach Collins experiment would, um, would be over at least in Chicago. Again, um, he could go elsewhere and have, have some more success. That's very possible. Um, I'd hope that that would be the case, but I don't know if it's happening, happening on the South side. So you want your mean on the right, you want him over, uh, Zach right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. guess I should have like thought that without saying, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say like, yeah, probably um, if nothing else, because I just, it's, you know, your mean is never, he hasn't had that opportunity at the major league level to show what he could do. Zach has had that opportunity. Um, and so, uh, 
you know, it would be a little bit risky, but I'd, I'd rather see your mean Mercedes, I think, just for, again, entertainment yeah. value. Your means only had one, one lousy plate appearance in, in 2020. And I, I felt as if that wasn't fair. And instead, and I have brought this up so many times, uh, uh, the White Sox decided to give Zach Collins postseason at bats, which completely is just like face palm forever. Uh, but also, one person I, I left out of the whole backup catcher thing is Jonathan Lucroy, who is surprisingly uh, in his age 35 season a non roster invitee, assigned to a minor league contract, an 802 OPS in. 18 plate appearances. My goodness. So, uh, yeah, I, I honestly did not think this would uh, be this competitive. Yeah. Um, gosh, I really want to see your mean this year too. The thing, so is, is Seve Zavala still sitting in AAA? Is he still on the minor league roster or is he, did he go somewhere else? Uh, yeah, he's, he was optioned to Charlotte, I believe like last week. Okay. So he's still, he's still in the organization though. So he's, you know, I think there's going to be, triple a at bats there for your mean i think i'm pretty i mean i don't think they bring in you know luke roy if he's not going to be the primary catcher but even if he doesn't play so much he's there to mentor the pitchers i think um that's what catchers do partially i think especially if they decide to play the service time game with vaughn i think there's a very high probability zach is the opening day dh and they end up carrying three catchers because we all know i mean Yasmani might not even be ready for opening day to catch on opening day. Um, although was he not in the lineup behind the plate yesterday or did I make that up? I don't know. I, I do remember that uh, he's uh, gradually kind of uh, working yeah. his way back into the lineup. I don't know if he, he DH yesterday though. Yeah. But yeah, and regardless, I mean, catching is tough. Like you said, Sam, the backup catcher can be a, a starting catcher very, very easily. And especially we don't know what the wear and tear, how players bodies are going to respond to, um, probably not, nothing super dramatic, but I actually, uh, I don't mind letting Yermin get every day at bats in AAA right now. I think the opportunities will be there. And like, so on, on Zach Collins though, before, before we move elsewhere, the thing, like I 100% feel your frustration, Sam. And like, I until recently would have like completely agreed with you actually. And then I just went back and looked at his numbers. And I think our impression of him is just so tainted by a hundred at bats. It's a hundred big league at bats. And you go back to his minor league numbers and he is raked at pretty much every minor league stop he's ever been at. I mean, even just in 2019, this triple a slash line, which granted like the triple a baseball was even more juiced than the big league ball. in in 2019, he hit 282 with 19 homers and 75 RBIs and 88 games in Charlotte. You know, he, I think a lot of the bad rap he gets is gets is because, you know, the Sox have been very insistent on, making him a catcher when it seems like the rest of the baseball world is very insistent on telling people that he's not going to be a major league catcher. So will that happen? I don't know. I think he's a major league bat though, whether there's room for him with, uh, you know, with Vaughn right there and even the newly slim and resurgent Jake Berger, Berger, Berger. Do we know? Berger. Yeah. Berger. Yeah. <laughs> I never think, never got to learn. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's, I still don't think there's necessarily a long-term spot. I don't know, but like, I'm not super, like I wouldn't call myself offended at like Collins making the roster as the kind of third catcher DH first baseman um, bat off the bench. I'm willing to give him one more chance. If he like sucks again, then okay, maybe it's time to move on, but I'm still, I still haven't completely lost faith. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I, I think um, it's a good point as far as like sample size and, and what he's actually had the opportunity to do in the major leagues. It's, it's kind of the same reason that I've sort of defended Dylan Cease to this point, uh, which is because like, you know, a lot of people, it seems like last season had sort of given up on Dylan Cease in some, maybe not a lot of people, but some people. And you sort of keep looking at, at the number of innings pitched and it just seems like there's, it's just too soon as everyone wants that instant success. Everyone wants guys to be coming up and immediately, um, you know, um, just dominant, but it, it can take time. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. We've basically seen cease for like two 10 week stretches. Yeah. yeah. Came up at the end of July of 2019. Like he was, we've never seen him for half a season, much less a full season. I think listening, I was listening to Giolito or maybe it was just stone talking about Giolito the other day, but he, like he talks a lot about how he would not be the pitcher he is right now. If he hadn't, you know, struggled so much and dealt with that failure in 2018. And this right. is something I talk about with other folks a lot is how, I don't know whether it's like, I don't know whether it's just the internet in general or, you know, fantasy baseball, but our, our attention spans are so much shorter. We have so little patience for players. And part of remembering that these guys are human is that like, it's a really hard game. And sometimes it takes like two, three years, you know, it's not just yeah. a couple, if you're not, can't make the adjustment after a couple weeks. I mean, we've seen, of course, what happens, I mean, just watching Tim Anderson grow over the past four, four, five, six years, there are a lot of people who are, uh, ready to look at some of his numbers and kind of write him off after 20, 2018 or so too. So I'm always a big proponent, I think, of letting guys breathe and giving them, you know, not necessarily the last possible chance, but like, if, I think if there's like these situations like Collins or Cease, I don't think, uh, I think it's good to remember what, you know, development isn't linear. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a while and sometimes it's, it's frustrating, but sometimes all we can do is step back and, you know, I don't think we'd like it if, uh, if, you know, we started a new job and had to learn all the ropes and, you know, someone yelled at us really loudly every time we made a mistake and booed us all the way home and, and all that stuff. So I'm, yeah, that's, that's, I'd say more or less where I stand on those, those kinds of things. That's definitely a good point. And speaking of time to breathe uh, and uh, time to yell, we are going to pause for a quick break for a word from our collective sponsors. When we return, we will speak more about just random White Sox stuff with the great Zach Hayes. Hmm? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Uh, hopefully you are still listening to the Northside Sox podcast. Uh, we are with Zach Hayes of Pitcher List, where we are cutting it up uh, f- about the White Sox. Uh, cutting, or was that the title of the, oh no, actually I changed the title. The tentative title of this podcast was uh, Cutting It Up, but I thought it might bring back too much, ba- too many b- bad Chris Sale memories. So I changed it over to stirring the pot. Uh, so one other, uh, I don't know, I don't think this is a race. It's, it's really more so of a comparison that I have in my head. 
but the uh, the race to see who is the better Adam E on the team uh, so far. Uh, so Adam Engel uh, hit a three-run bomb off Marco Gonzalez yesterday in yesterday's game. Uh, so far in the spring, uh, my favorite Adam E uh, has three home runs, seven RBI through 35 plate appearances. Uh, he's currently slugging 686. Like that, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, so I'm hoping that this year he will absolutely uh, just crush left-handed pitching as he always does. Uh, so... Uh, looking at the other Adam E, uh, his numbers actually aren't aren't horrible. Uh, so through 33 plate appearances, uh, his OPS is currently at 734. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I was one of the early earlier critics of Adam Eaton. Uh, I definitely thought that while he was an, an, an okay acquisition, I definitely thought that the White Sox could have done better. But uh, as of right now, uh, I think I, Sam, uh, I might have texted you this post where Tony Larusa is a, a, apparently expected to hit um, Adam Eaton second, which kind of like threw, threw us all back collectively into yeah. a tailspin. Uh, but anyway, uh, your thoughts on uh, these two Adam E. right fielders? Um, I mean, Adam Eaton, uh, as far as Adam Eaton's concerned, like I, you know, the signing was completely met, um, especially with the other options that, that were available. Um, but that said, you know, if he's going to be batting at the bottom of the order, I don't really care. It's fine that the lineup is such that um, you can kind of afford to have um, Adam Eaton in it, uh, just lower down. But if that's true, that uh, that Tony Larus is planning on, and this was kind of my fear throughout when that signing happened, if it's true that Larusa is considering putting Eaton uh, at the top of the lineup, either lead off or second or whatever. Um, no, I mean, that's awful uh, that, you know, whoever you're displacing from the order. And again, I'm not, I'm sure that he'll experiment with uh, lineups throughout the season, but there is no uh, time that it will be appropriate to have Adam Eaton batting any higher than the eighth spot or the ninth spot um, in the order. Um, and as far as Adam Engel, I mean, last season, I thought it was sweet that we finally kind of saw a little bit more of a complete performance put together. It seemed like he always had, which is kind of stunning to say about Adam Angle. Uh, if we think about where, where we were with him, uh, you know, several years ago, but you know, he can hit and he can play the field and, and to have a guy like that on the roster is um, extraordinarily valuable, especially when um, I'm sure that at some point this season, I hope it's not the case, but people will be calling for him to um, be out there every day. Uh, and, and that might be completely fine. Cause I think he's shown us, um, enough to say that again, in some lineups, it might not work in the lineup that the white Sox have constructed in this team. Um, you don't, not everybody needs to be, uh, you know, hitting, you know, 30, 35 home runs, even though it's pretty, pretty uh, close to being the case. Um, yeah, I mean, Adam Engel, people forget, I think, has shown flashes like several times before. He was the 2017 Arizona Fall League MVP, I think. So for the prospects who get sent there, he had like an incredibly hot three or four weeks and all the scouts and prospect people were like, whoa, who is this dude? Uh, and he's actually the reason why I'm not maybe as upset slash concerned about the other Adam E as I otherwise would be because... I mean, you guys said it all mostly he's, he can, he mashes lefties. I feel fairly confident in saying that's real. Like he's, he's at least like at worst, probably an average hitter against lefties, which with that glove is 
a good platoon outfielder at at the worst. I would love to see him hit righties better and earn more starts because I think he's fun as a player and you know he steals bases and he robs home runs and you know just, yeah. just just cool things. Uh, I'm not super confident that's going to happen. Like I just I watch his at bats against righties sometimes. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to hit that slider in the other batter's box. Like uh, you're just not <laughs> you're not going to pick that up. Like I'm sorry, buddy, but. Uh, I think he's a great, great piece to have on the team, and I would not mind seeing him. I wouldn't have like hated seeing him in the lineup a lot, like I would have two years ago for sure. Uh, the other, the other Adam Eaton, like, so this is the weird thing. If you took all of the information off of that, like, if I didn't know that it was Adam Eaton, and all that we know about Adam Eaton, like a lefty corner outfielder who can hit righties decently, who knows how to take a walk and get on base and steal a base. I would have said, yeah, that's exactly what this lineup needs, especially if you want to platoon in right field. Um, that being said, like that, those attributes of his that I think are pretty appropriate for this team are also not removed from uh, the fact that, you know, he was not exactly there's, there's a reason they got him out of town along with those other couple guys. And there's been plenty of reporting on that over, over the past years that we don't super need to, to rehash. And it does, doesn't come separate from the fact that he was hurt for a lot of the last three or four years. And that he wasn't just very good last year. Uh, like, I don't know what to expect. He's been a good offensive player, believe it or not, for most of the past seven years, this past season was the first time he had an OPS plus below 100 below league average uh, since he was with Arizona. So I really like, don't like him. Do any of us, none of us here like him. Like we can admit that like, yeah, <laughs> but, and should he be batting second? Absolutely not. Like that inferior, like if this was 2015 Adam Eaton, that might've been a different story. Like he, you could have definitely justified that, but uh, no, that's one extra at bat that's not going to go to Moncada or um, or Magical or, or somebody else there, and that's not not a good thing at all. But I'm like, I, I hate to say that I'm not actually quite as upset by him on the team, like as far as pure baseball goes, than than I would be or than I thought it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I had. Uh some similar thoughts where I, I thought it was like, yeah, definitely a, an okay acquisition. It's definitely not like the worst they could have done. Uh, but at the same time though, like there was absolutely no buzz surrounding Eaton. No, no one was talking about him. Uh, definitely. Million, with, with, yeah. Dollars, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, then from, tell from us that there's no money left for Nelson Cruz, right? Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and the, also too, just the timing that they, they went out and signed him in, in like December. So it, it was just like when the market was just starting to get hot. So that they, they, as soon as December hit, they went out and got their guy. So it's not necessarily that they were, you know, just kind of looking, you know, in, in the bargain bin at like Nordstrom rack for baseball players, uh, they, 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 in with intention, like we're, we're looking to sign Adam Eaton. So uh, so, so yeah, I mean, like, like you, Zach, I, I'm not like just horrified by, by the move, but I, I still feel as if they could have done better. Oh yeah. I wish they had not given us these feelings. Like that's, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, I, I usually give, I've, I've been much more forgiving of management, I think than most throughout the course of this rebuild. And I think for the most part, that's been borne out. Uh, but like things like that, it's just really hard to be like, you couldn't have, you know, waited a few more weeks for, 
Um, I don't know who's another lefty outfielder that was out there that signed. Uh, <laughs> shoot, I don't know. Michael Brantley, like Michael Brantley, got two years and twenty five million dollars from yeah. Houston. Like, seriously, and, guys, seriously. And, <laughs> right. Jock Peterson got ten million. Uh, Jock, but apparently, yeah. Apparently, he didn't want the. Right. Or, uh, he he wasn't looking to be a platoon guy. He was looking right. to uh, play full time. So. As the Sox offered him more money is what was reported, yeah. right? And he turned mm-hmm. it down. Which again, though, is why you don't say, okay, sign the contract now, Adam Eaton. That's when you say like, okay, let's wait a month and see what Jack Peterson thinks then. Because like anybody yeah. could have told you, I think anyone who really knew anything could have probably told you that Jack Peterson wasn't going to do a lot better than, you know, a one-year $10 million deal. Oh. Right. So, Although that, the narrative of, of, oh, he turned down more money to go play for the Cubs. And it was like, well, no, not exactly. He, he yeah. turned down the contract, and then the the Sox addressed the need the way that they did, and then that, that, that hey, contract was no longer there. I mean, our teams are so just experts at having a seat at the table, though, right? Like, <laughs> they're always in contention. Oh my goodness! Yeah, a, a seat at the table, but it's uh, yeah, definitely the kids' table in some cases. Uh, <laughs> With the, with the with the tiny chairs, yeah, well, at least I mean, yeah, you're in good company at least in the kids' table. Usually, the topics are way more interesting, anyway. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you know, it's cool though. Like as I'm just as as I'm sort of thinking about everything we've talked about so far, and this has sort of been the theme throughout throughout several episodes of the of the show. But there's there's a lot of you know there's very valid things to nitpick and to and to critique. But it's like and I, I don't know why this just kind of dawned upon me, but like a, a couple of weeks away from, from, um, you know, opening night or, or what they open up out in, out in California. Um, it's like this team is with their, with their flaws and their, and, and issues is still, um, and this is so weird to say like a legitimate world series contender. And it's just so weird to say that. And I know that there's probably, that was like a pointless thing to say, but I just, it just kind of, it's cool to like have these things like, talking about a backup catcher and not a starting catcher as, as far as like, you know, debating those things or talking about the kind of back end of the rotation guys, or sort of even just starting pitching depth where you already know that your top three are really, really solid. Maybe top four, we'll see. Um, and these are just like unique problems to white Sox fans and to the to what white Sox, uh, the white Sox community where usually in seasons past, it's been different issues. And now, it's like, well, you know, who, yeah, should it be your mean? Should it be Lucroy or LaCroy as uh, Chuck Garfine apparently was calling him? Uh, or should it be Zach Collins? So, yeah, it's, uh, I, and again, it, it doesn't take away from the issues that are there and, and potential issues that will arise. Um, but it's a cool place to be in, I think, only a couple of weeks away from, uh, from the start of the season. Agreed. Yeah. No. yeah. Go ahead, Janice. Oh, yeah, no worries. Uh, so, uh, Zach, I want to know, uh, what is your uh, one, and I know we've discussed this before, like, like one, like, scorching hot take uh, for the White Sox this season? Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Man. I know, I think I mentioned this on your show yesterday, but uh, someone on my Twitter feed uh, mentioned that their hot take was that Madrigal was going to get the batting title without hitting any home right, runs. Right, 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 right. And I think <laughs> you, 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 you pointed out that uh, it has only been done once in all mm. of, of, of Major League Baseball history. And what, was it Rod Carew? That, it that, was that Rod Carew, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Won a batting title with no home runs. I think Madrigal hit some home runs. You know, it's hard not to run into a few, although we'll see what, what 
the dead ball is he's i think he might be the player this isn't a hot prediction i guess this is not answering your question but (laughs) no uh, he's he's probably the player that i'm on a personal level looking forward to watching the most and so i guess if there's a bold prediction hot take you know i think he gets I think he gets 200 hits easily. I think he gets blows by 200 hits. I think he ends up with 210, 215, something really, really nuts like that. Because, I mean, to just watch the dude play, I it's so – I don't even have words for it because it's just unique. You know, you watch enough baseball and you see – and you see – you don't see too many things. Where like, you see freeze frames of him, like, in his swing, in his crouch, and he's almost in the – like, the catcher in his crouch is almost as tall as him. And I'm thinking to myself, like, as a pitcher, like, thinking, like, how do you pitch to that, you know? Like, how do you get this guy out? It's, you know, because then That's if right. you – even if you get him to like weekly ground out somewhere, the dude's running probably, you know, a six second 60 and getting down to first base. Like he's, I, I can, you know, fouling off every pitch you throw, you get him in an O2 count for like 20 minutes and you still can't put him away. Uh, and, and, and that's where he hits his single, like, like right on yeah. that O2 count. Yeah. So, so I guess if I haven't, I've been, I've been a big fan of his since he was tearing it up at Oregon state. And uh, I think he's actually going to be in way better than we think. I think he's going to be a real throwback type player that we're, you know, people say, you know, we're not, we're just really still not used to seeing that, but I think he's going to be kind of, I don't want to say star, but more of a big deal even than we might think just because of how fun he is and how unique the way he gets it done is going to be. Just, just no more, no more uh, dangerous slides, no more slides. please. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, uh, th- that head first slide into third uh, that uh, yeah, at least gave Danny Mendick some playing time. Uh, so, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. I, p- pitching the Madrigal is interesting because I mean, uh, I would assume it's probably, you know, the same deal like with pitching to players like Jose Altuve, where it's like, we're like, where the heck is his strike zone? Uh, it's mm-hmm. just, <laughs> and when, when, when he does make contact, it's yeah. Um, your opposing pitcher is just, just flat out sick of this guy after like, like 10, 15 pitches. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think the Madrigal is uh, going to be a, uh, I don't know, uh, to say that he's like, one of the less impressive uh, hitters on the on the in the lineup would be unfair to say uh but given uh how a lot of the other hitters are just i, f- I feel is are, are going to be just like monsters uh, at the plate uh many people i feel are probably not going to uh, put light on uh, what madrigal can do yeah and one of the things I, weirdly enough as much as generally speaking, like we're not really about the old school, there's a part of me that's actually kind of looking forward to some of the tendencies that Larusa might bring. Like I want to see Madrigal and Tim Anderson steal 40 bases. Like no, oh, yeah. no modern manager, AJ Hinch or Kevin Cash, no one's going to steal 40 bases. No one's going to attempt 40 steals because like the success rate you need to mitigate the risk and what, you know, the numbers say over large sample sizes, et cetera, et cetera. It's mostly just not worth it. Well, you like screw that. It looks really cool and it's fun and it doesn't actually make that much of a difference. So like, I want to see a 30, 30 season from Tim Anderson. I want him to have a the total green light. I want Madrigal to bunt his way onto first base, steal second, steal third, and then get home on the sack fly, you know, little, little things like that, that I think we might actually see a little more of with this team. Yeah might make it a little might make it a little fun small ball grinder ball grinder i guess ball. you would say yeah yeah 
we're, 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 I mean, if all of this results in the resurrection of, yeah, grinder ball, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. But also, yeah. too, we, we've got guys in the lineup that can also hit bombs, too. So uh, the the uh, Luis Roberts and uh, the Aloy Menezes, I don't know why I'm pluralizing this. I, I wish there were more of them. They're great. It would be great um, if there were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to activate, you know, the uh, the MLB multiverse where there's just like multiple <laughs> versions of, of players. And then like we, we've talked about this before, like, say, if I don't know um, if there's some sort of rift in like the time space continuum and then you just have like all of these other extra guys coming through. Like, I don't know. I I guess that's another fun hypothetical question. If you could just have like one player from like multiple universes, like multiple copies of one player come in and and, and, and 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 fill the White Sox lineup, like like what what player would you choose? Mine, I think, would probably be Leori Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> famously the longest tenured member of this white Sox roster <laughs> and not just because he can play every position and in, like including pitcher but i just think it would be funny to see nine leoris on the field if i pick jimmy cordero does he still have tommy uh, does he does he still have tommy john surgery or is he healthy <laughs> that's a good that's a good question we'll, we'll assume he's healthy yeah that's that's going to be a little bit different this season not having uh Jimmy Arms coming in every single game. <laughs> Sleeves up for Jimmy biceps. There you go. Which, yeah, you, you you can't see this, but yeah, we're we're rolling our sleeves up in uh in recognition, solidarity, solidarity with Jimmy Cordero. Which like as I love I love the biceps thing and it was so much fun to see that, but he also was just like not very good at pitching either. <laughs> and he was he, he was used in 30 games too. Like and they I think ruined him. It's and on a good, that's the thing on a good team too. Like, the, like last year, they, they, it was a good season. And to think, you know, if you were to tell, tell me that during the length, even if it was a shortened season that Jimmy Cordero would pitch like in nearly every game and the White Sox actually, like they made the playoffs in any capacity. It's like, wow, that seems right. unlikely, but. <laughs> well, you go back a year from now and you tell me half of the names in the bullpen. Like, you know, who the hell is yeah. Cody Hoyer? You know, the bullpen's going to be sweet. I mean, this is not a hot take by any stretch, but um, you know, it's, it's kind of just like we, we saw Garrett crochet for, a, you know, a little bit and he was unlike basically anything we had seen short of, you know, I know that this comp can be dangerous, but like Chris sale to some capacity, as far as the stuff that was coming out of that kind of angle, or arm slot, Zach. You could probably talk more specifically the, this you know the, the technical <laughs> side behind that. Yeah, you know what the comp, the mechanical and like Arsenal comp to to crochet is. And again, this is like very you don't want to say this, and also because I just don't like talking about this guy in general. But he's like a he's a dead ringer for a role as Chapman, as far as his mechanics go. And I'm a fan of like still trying to develop him as a starter. And unlike, I think I probably differ from a lot of my like. You know, that leg analytics kick. inclined foes. It's the leg kick and man, the torque he gets on his chest yeah. is crazy. It's really yeah. The crazy. way his the, the way his hips move, especially after the release, I I, mm-hmm. I can see the the Chapman uh, comp there. Yeah, I think it was um, pitching ninja had a really good side by side of it last fall. So I'll try to I'll try to find that. Um, but yeah, he's I want to see him developed as a starter. Like I'm I think probably in the minority of my like data analytics inclined folks uh who are like really terrified by it. like they think you know you go to the bullpen and that you're gonna end up in the bullpen that's kind of uh I, I have a little more faith in that process and not just because of uh how it worked out with chris sale i think with someone like crochet it's probably good to learn how to 
actually have to throw strikes a little consistently in the major leagues because throwing strikes and getting guys out in the major leagues is just different than the minors. And, you know, the common factor that Crochet and Sale have is that, you know, they both went straight to the majors more so than, you know, just being lefties and and throwing hard. So that doesn't scare me so much. Uh, And even if he does end up in the bullpen, I mean, I just said he's a dead ringer for a role as Chapman. Like, could, could, could... could do worse um i'm really interested to see what his new curveball looks like or even if like is i don't know if it's the same pitch that he had last year that he just slowed down a little bit but whatever the off the breaking ball that he has flashed a few times this spring that looks really nice is is definitely new so that will be something to follow heck yeah so uh your player that you want to uh, bring onto the um. field nine times <laughs> Oh, Jose Abreu. It's it's Jose oh, Abreu. Yeah. So I think of I I think of like you know after the he catches the third out of you know the, of the inning and he sprints back to the dugout and does all that stuff and I'm just imagining like you know a fly out to the right fielder to end the game and Jose Abreu sprinting all the way back in from right center field or you know <laughs> I don't know just his mannerisms in the field I think it's partially the way he pays there's something distinctive about it and I would love to see that like. I don't know. At shortstop, at left. Field. I mean, how much worse would he be than Eloy in left field? Like <laughs> a yeah, lot, probably uh, a no, lot yeah, worse. Uh, a a maybe, lot worse, yeah. but like also maybe, maybe not as there should. There's not as big of a gap as there probably should be. In <laughs> <laughs> a, a lineup <laughs> too, a, a lineup of nine oh. Jose Abreu's. Yeah, I got my. I'm all for that. <laughs> oh, I would love to see Jose Abreu, like you know. Jose, he's great at poking singles the other way and actually getting mm-hmm. a lot of soft hits. Uh, so I'm loving the idea of like Jose Abreu bunting Jose Abreu over to second base <laughs> before getting driven in by like a double in the gap from Jose Abreu. I don't know, just the <laughs> he's such a he's such a fun guy to watch. He's so full of joy when he's on the field too. You know, like this whole team. Yeah, 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 yeah. This team is just so fun to watch. Uh, it, it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be a fun season, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing more. Uh, so today, uh, the White Sox play Cleveland. Uh, looking at MLB's website, it doesn't even look like it's on MLB TV uh, or game day. Really, that that might change later on. But what better way to market your baseball uh, team than to uh, not have any coverage? Because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, fans want to know uh, what is going on. Fans being uh, me. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. Uh, any last spring training thoughts okay. before we oh, conclude conclude for this afternoon? Um, yeah, it's C starting today too, which is really annoying too. Like I want to oh, watch. I, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was tr- like trying to look up the starters, and like MLB was like, "Oh, well, you can you can buy tickets to the game," and I'm like, "No, I'm not in Arizona." <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> You jerks. Yeah. Even if I was, I'd probably not be going to. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. To get pissed yeah. off by uh, by you know rolling over innings and all that. Uh, final <laughs> final thoughts. Um, don't play the service time bullshit with Andrew Vaughn, please. Yes. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm, I can curse or not, but um, you can. You can. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you absolutely can. can. Look, don't don't do that. Don't do that. Put him in the lineup on opening day. You don't have to sign him to an exploitative extension to do it. Just put him on the bloody roster. We saw what, you know, Chris Bryant and the Cubs has been played out in the media ad nauseum, but they went through all of that trouble to get Chris Bryant for this year. This is the extra year 
of Chris Bryant that they went to that trouble of getting and went through that whole grievance mm-hmm. and pissed off everyone. And they punted and on the season. Big year. Yeah. And they um, punted on the yeah. season. They're not even trying this year. <laughs> this is the extra year. So it's like, I really don't care about that extra year of Andrew Vaughn in 2027. Who knows what 2027 is going to look like? You know, we might be underwater in 2027. Put Andrew Vaughn <laughs> on the opening day roster and let him hit bombs. And because we didn't get to it, I will give a shout out to uh, let's get Billy Hamilton a lot of uh, late game pinch run stolen base experience. Yes. Speaking of making yes. the game more fun. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see a lot excited. of excited. Yeah, I was I was pretty excited about the Billy Ham- Hamilton uh, coming uh, signing coming aboard. Oh, oh God, I need more coffee. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I see that he will probably be used a lot similar to how Gerard Dyson was used uh, last season. Uh, so very excited about that. Although uh, the dude needs to update his social media. It still says he plays for the Cubs. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not mad about it, but I have a feeling that, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of um, White Sox fans would be like, yeah, it says you play for the Cubs. What's up with that, huh? <laughs> Uh, well, Zach, I'll, I'll definitely um, jump off of the, you know, the, the Andrew Vaughn comment is like, they've, they've had those, um, they've, they've been able to get those team, very team friendly deals for like extensions for like all of their core. So at a certain point, it's like, you, do you need it for literally everyone? You know, at a certain point, it's like, I think you've, you've already saved quite a bit of money by by locking those guys up, you've done it. It's worked. You've been able to, you know, use work within the rules of the system and all that, but enough is enough only in the sense of uh, this season, there is, there are 100% world series, you know, uh, expectations, or at least a very deep playoff run. And in order to do that, get Andrew Vaughn, like you said, opening day, uh, ready to, you know, be acclimated to um, the major leagues. It's he's, he's ready. You know, it's uh and yeah, it would be very disappointing if they don't get, if they don't reach an extension and therefore he has to, um, you know, they have to play that bullshit game. But, uh, you know, I just swore, by the way, which as Janice knows, if I swear, then, you know, it's something. Uh, it's, something yeah, it's. It's kind of a running joke we have with our with our editor uh, Brett, where it, it's usually me. I, I, I'm the one that's usually cursing in like in, in the episode, and so if, if anyone curses, we have to slap an explicit rating, like ooh, parental <laughs> pr- parental um, uh, advisory right there. Uh, but yeah, it's usually me. Uh, I, I'm usually the potty mouth uh, between the two of us. Uh, so I, I typically uh, mention this, but yeah, yeah, guests are certainly like allowed to cuss if they want to, uh, just mainly because yeah, there there are many cuss worthy things that like sometimes this team does. Uh, so yeah, typically uh, I, I tend to not curse in front of guests. Uh, I, I usually tend to like keep my best behavior on, but I guess seeing as how you've already opened the floodgates, Zach, I just want to say <laughs> a fuck shit. <laughs> Damn hell! See, I, I already said like all of the the uh, the, the uh, upper tier cusses, so uh, I, I'm working my way down to the lower tier. So there's like damn hell, uh, crap. Uh, the, 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 that's like a D list cuss word is crap. Got to do like the tiers, like what folks are doing on on Twitter with the rankings and stuff, like different colored <laughs> tiers. I don't know. How, I don't know how it works, but yeah, it, w- it would be based, I guess, on how how offensive. Uh, I, I guess it's it's considered in in the modern um, 
the modern, I'm going to bring this up, modern pantheon of cuss words. Yeah, <laughs> all the way around. You know, this really is Northside Sox uh, after dark, even though it is, it uh, is just 12. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's dark somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> Northside Sox afternoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's where this things has get been... really wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This has been such a fantastic conversation. Uh, Zach, we would like to thank you for joining us mm-hmm. to yak about the socks. Uh, we, we love yakking about the socks and we're glad you do too. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you can follow the Northside Socks podcast at Northside Socks pod. Uh, you can follow me if you want to. Uh, you can also uh, vote for me in the 108 tourney. We, we didn't talk about that, but you know. Maybe we will next episode. Uh, my at on Twitter is Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Zach, how about you? Are you are you okay with people finding your account and following you and like look, looking at all of your wonderful work? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can find me. Find me on Twitter at Pine Tar Keyboard, spelled like it sounds. Follow me at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't taken the risk, uh, please do so. Zach is a wonderful follow, uh, even a better person. Uh, So again, yeah, thank you. I I cannot express how grateful I am to have you on. Anyway, um, (laughs) this was so much fun. Yeah, Yeah. thanks so much. Soon enough, we can. uh, Soon enough, we'll be able to hit the hit the bullpen bar in person, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah buy a couple of $15 IPAs. Cannot wait. I stick with the Miller light, you know, keep it classy. (laughs) (laughs) All All right. right, Take it easy. Peace.